The staff officer was waving his hand behind him, scarlet in the face and defiant. Lord Lookon seemed bemused, uncomprehending. The staff officer wheeled away to join the 17th to the left. It was the first time Bond had seen the generals actually talking to each other, Lookon and the noble yachtsman. He couldn't catch more than a muffled conversation, what with the champ of bits and the muttering of the men behind him. John Kilbert on his right was wondering why he had enlisted at all. He too had spent most of the night throwing up over his boots, and was glad no one had offered him any breakfast. He wished he was back in Nottingham, selling wines and spirits. He wasn't likely to become mayor now, and the chance faded by the moment as he saw Cardigan walk his chestnut to the centre of the brigade. It was not Cardigan's appearance that worried William Perkins, unless, of course, his lordship were to place a beady blue eye down his trumpet that morning. He had traded some of his French photographs for Bentley's tobacco, but was dismayed to find that Bentley had used the photographs to fix a gap in his tent. He was even more dismayed to find that someone, he thought immediately of Jim Hodges, had wedged a plug into his mouthpiece. Still, Joseph Keats was trumpet major for the 11th. If called upon to sound, he would have to hope Keats would cover for him. In the noise of an advance, no one could tell. William Pennington was new to all this. Was the mercantile marine, he mused now as he sat his horse in B Troop, so awful that he should have left them? Perhaps it was the porter in Dublin that day in January. Perhaps it was the glittering uniform of the bringer. Perhaps the bounty of nine pounds. Perhaps... But the moment for self-doubt had gone. John Parkinson nudged him in the elbow and nodded to the front. Cardigan nodded stiffly to John Douglas, tall and silent in the saddle in the centre of the eleventh. They were going. Alex Dunn slid his sword upwards so that his extra three inches flashed in the sun, breaking weakly on the tattered brigade below. Loy Smith barked as he saw that idiot Hope gallop into place to his right. The cripple was riding a troop horse of the Greys, where the bloody hell had he been? Having a fit somewhere, he supposed. Well, you'd give him hell for it when this was over. Stillnesses and sudden hushes don't really happen, Pennington was telling himself, but he was sitting in the middle of one anyway. Ahead stretched a long valley, parchment-coloured sand and rubble. On the hills to the right, a line of guns, Russian guns. On the left, more of the same, what was ahead? He couldn't see, but he felt panic grip his heart. Loy Smith turned in the saddle. All set, Mr. Pennington? And he gave a fatherly glance to Edwin Hughes, sixteen years old and less than regulation height. He'll outlive us all, the sergeant major thought to himself. The brigade will advance, came Cardigan's hoarse, chesty bark. First squadron of the 17th Lancers direct and the shrill notes of the trumpet drowned his words. For a second, three, perhaps four, the eleventh Prince Albert's own hussars sat motionless, each man a prisoner of his private thoughts and fears. Then they broke forward, shifting position as on the parade ground at Maidstone at Lucan's order for the eleventh to fall back and the seventeenth to take the lead. The dark-coated lancers fronted the brigade, their pennons snapping in the wind that crossed the valley.
It was the noise that Pennington remembered most, the snorting of horses and the jingle of bits, and from time to time, above the incessant sound of hoofs, the growling of Loy Smith to his men. "'Draw swords!' It was Colonel Douglas, freeing his own weapon as Cardigan increased the pace. He could see the leaders, Mayo and Fitzmax, beyond the line of the 17th. The swords of the 11th shot clear. "'At the slope!' Loy Smith reminded his troop. Bentley cradled the blade against his shoulder and tightened his rein. They were at the trot now, rising and falling as a man. Still the lances were upright. Still Cardigan was leading. Like a church, thought Palmer. He moved neither to left nor right, the sun flashing on the gold lace of his pelisse. He felt the line quicken, following the last of the Brudenals. Loy Smith saw it first as his wise old eyes saw any irregular movement in the line. The staff officer, the one who had brought the last order, was spurring ahead, out from the left wing of the 17th, chasing...